0: Welcome to the Green Edge Podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our update for the week ending 23rd of February, 2024. This week and next, Michael and I are taking separately, of course, mini sabbaticals from our usual routine of post-writing, opinion forming and general spouting about things to do with the green economy. And in our place, we're featuring back to back a pair of articles specifically written for us by two esteemed guest contributors. More of this, say we. Now, next week, we're featuring a post from Tim Jackson, who is a parish councillor and a trustee of Winchester Action on Climate Crisis. And Tim will be telling us about the community energy scheme they're putting in down there in Hampshire. And this week, our guest post comes from Luke McCarthy, who is Green Economy Lead for Surrey County Council. Michael, we're getting to know Luke quite well, aren't we?
1: We are. He was one of our early sign ups and subscribers. We've also helped speak at one of his events. We've also done a very detailed review of one of his deep dives into Green Skills for Surrey area. And he has in a very good spot in Surrey in the respect that he's got full alignment between his council leadership, his officer leadership, and himself around moving these issues forward. So there's some real coherency which is
0: really important. And it's a point he makes in his note. Luke's post is called Leading from the Front. And his position on it is this. He tells us homes and buildings will need low carbon heating and energy efficiency measures. And we know this is a big thing for Surrey as it is around the country, along with transport emissions needing to be reduced and renewable power needing to be harnessed and made accessible. But then he asks, who will take the leadership role in making this happen? Now, he says that big business and central governments may historically have been expected to take the lead, but his opinion is that it's actually local authorities who are best placed, combining strategic oversight, direct business engagement, and a link directly into the communities to deliver real change in this area. I think we'd pretty strongly agree with that, wouldn't we, Michael?
1: We would. I think they've got this sort of semi-neutral convening authority over a whole area and they have, as you rightly say, the strategic piece as well. And as they're a tier one part of this structure and this devolved structure, we'll come on to that perhaps a bit later, they have a responsibility to take this lead role as well. They also have a vested interest in ensuring their area moves forward collectively. Because the green economy title in Luke's job isn't just about helping the place, the whole of county to make the transition, but also to see it as a major opportunity. And if you delve into his figures, the growth of green jobs is outpacing the growth of digital jobs. So it's a real opportunity for real growth and prosperity in the region as well.
0: Now, Luke describes Surrey as an upper tier authority in the southeast. What does this mean in practical terms?
1: Well, <laughs> we have quite a spotty structure across the whole of England less so if you move into other parts of the great UK, that tries to split us between combined authorities, which we have where we have mayoral authorities, and then we have tier ones, which are more like county councils. Now, county councils oversee waste management, education, transport, and the like. They also cover housing, but also they cover planning, and planning in both in an economic sense and a skills sense. And that is why they're quite well placed to play that role. And of course, they've got to have an independent, quite loud voice in this process because they've got the big beast next door to them called London that always starts to drown out any initiative you find in the South at county level. So they're actually carving out that role very strongly for themselves.
0: Okay. So in the post, Luke says that, among other things, Surrey commissioned a study to map the current and projected future demand in the county for green skills. And at the end of the post, he lists five key things that Surrey learned through this type of work. the first thing is that each region should do the same thing and find out their priorities because each region is different. So this does vary around the country, Michael.
1: It does. And that deep dive, especially on the green side, was very detailed using lightcast data, data city information, and coordinated by WPI Economics. What they did, though, was quite unusual. Very few other counties stroke LEP areas for their LSIP plans did this sort of deep dive. And the key is to have real-time data rather than just straight survey data. And they were using real-time data, which means they can get trends, they can actually reproduce it and monitor their progress over time. And that's been one of the fundamental building blocks of what they've been doing. And it means when they make bids for capital works around education and skills, they have the data to show the basis for the need, but also they can track the impact as well.
0: Okay, well, I think it's worth taking a quick look at Luke's other observations. Secondly, he said that upper-tier local authorities are well-placed to take the strategic leadership around green skills.
1: They are, and that's part of the growing strength of local authorities. And I think as we'll increasingly see, we'll move increasingly to more to unitary authorities that'll have control, possibly of adult education budgets as well, which has already been devolved to Manchester, Birmingham, London, and will happen to other mayoral authorities. I think where we have a query with some of this is the rate of this devolved structure will mean different places or parts of the country will be better placed to take advantage of driving their own local agenda. And that's quite complex how all
0: that works through. Indeed, And the LEPs will roll into some of those as well, won't they?
1: They will. They'll be absorbed.
0: Yeah. Okay. next, he said that there isn't enough funding available to meet the projected growth in demand for green jobs. That's a common complaint, isn't it?
1: Well, all the LSIPs are meant to lead to bids for local skills improvement funding and also setting up a boot camps and they built on the strategic development funding which was trialed in 18 areas now if you go back to the local skills improvement funds the budget for 23 24 is only 80 million pounds 40 million capex 40 million revenue and the following year it's 85 million which is all capex these are at an individual county level will be quite large sums of money when you spread it across the whole of england they are not large sums of money so they have to be used very wisely and really focus and i think one of the good things that's come out of this process it's meant that colleges have come together as consortia to work out where the priorities should be and who should take the lead on particular topics
0: all right next up from luke was there need to be greater opportunities for learning from existing best practices and spreading of best practices. We've observed that, haven't we?
1: And we've also given voice to people like UK 100, which are in place to do the same thing. Ashton, the Sainsbury charity, also is convening and pushing the local agenda forward and seeking to promote best practice. And even ourselves, what we try to do is share best practice where we possibly can, and getting people to contribute either to the podcast or writing guest posts to promote what is actually going on and what is being learnt and what is to share.
0: And his last one, he says there's an urgent need to put green jobs and careers at the heart of local approaches to careers. So careers focuses on green careers.
1: Luckily, I think there's a crossover starting to happen here between the initiatives being taken at local level and the development of career hubs around the green economy. And we'd shout out IEMA and its Green Careers Hub I think the Charter Institute of Waste Management, the Charter Institute of Ecology and Environmental Management have all been contributing to the developing green skills hub across all these different professions and different strands of the emerging economy.
0: And you can find this week's guest post from Luke McCarthy, thanks to Luke, on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your usual podcasts. Now we're coming up to the end of the month. So it's reports roundup time. And since the 1st of March falls next Friday, which is our podcasting day, we're holding the reports roundup over until Monday, the 4th of March. Michael, what's caught your green reports laser focus this month?
1: Well, I'll pick out three or four. There are two from Australia. One is called Towards a National Jobs and Skills Roadmap and that's the annual jobs and skills report for Australia. And that builds on the clean energy generation workforce needs for a net zero economy. Both of these documents, I think, should be read together. They're quite extensive. And I think they provide an interesting contrast or possibly input into the thinking of the Green Jobs Delivery Group, because they're trying to do it for Australia. The one interesting thing I thought with Australia, I didn't realise they had so many coal-fired power stations. They've got about 20 to phase out over the next 25 or 30 years. So obviously, part of their reports picks up on the transformation of what you do with the people who've been actually supplying the coal and also running the power stations. The two other ones I'd like to pick out is one about a careers guide for careers officers called Showing the Path to Green Jobs at College and University, a guide for careers and student support staff. And that's developed by EUAC up in Scotland this is a body that is seeking to promote green and sustainable careers within the university sector and for university students, but also produces really useful guides that can be used at school and college level. And the final one is a piece of work done by the Boston Consulting Group and Burning Glass Institute called Shifting Skills, Moving Targets, and the Remaking of Workforce. The piece that really attracted our attention to this was the Skills Disruption Index, which it had devised and applied across 680 jobs. And it was looking at the rate of change of skills being called out in jobs postings over the past about 8 to 10 years. What you find in that is that the most disruptive jobs tend to be in engineering and manufacturing and digital not surprising but it lays it right out in a long spectrum of activity but every job and almost every job has been impacted by digital and have been forced to take up and
0: change the priorities so it's quite an interesting piece of work you talk there about all the coal in australia it used to be all the tea in china it will be all the coal in china now thank you for listening to this green edge podcast this podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.